You know a great debater when you see one. In the courtroom, their opening statements are powerful. Their rebuttals shut down any argument. And their closing statements are flawless. It doesn't even matter if their opponent has the truth on their side. Often a clever argument can win over the truth. Fancy rhetoric. A powerful argument can often overshadow even, even the best and the truest of statements. We've seen this in the past. There have been countless examples, but probably the most poignant in my mind comes from the trial of O.J. Simpson and the powerful statement, if the glove does not fit, you must acquit. There's a certain power to the cadence of that statement, to, to the rhythm, to the words. It sinks into you. It, it affects the way you think, and obviously it had the intended effect on the jury as they declared him not guilty. In today's Old Testament lesson, the people of Israel are warned to watch out for those who have powerful rhetoric, who have clever arguments, those who would presume to speak in the name of God, the, the false prophets. See, this message is given as Moses is nearing the end of his life, as he's wrapping up and the people are about to go into the Holy Land and Moses is not going to go with them. And so God sends Moses his message, tell the people that he will raise up a prophet like him from among their brothers. But they need to listen to his message. They need to listen to him, to hear him. And God would, throughout the Old Testament, raise up various prophets and priests who would speak God's word, speak God's message faithfully to the people, that message of rebuke and chastisement, that message of warning, that message of hope and of promise of what God was going to do, that message pointing to the greater prophet who was to come. But if you read through the Old Testament, you know that frequently the people did not listen to him. They would not heed the message. And so Moses also warned them to beware of false prophets, of those who would presume to speak in the name of God, but would lead them astray. Now, when it comes to false prophets today, there are some that are easy for us to pick out, to, to notice, and, and to run away from. For example, if, if we see anyone holding up a sign on the street corner or publishing a book or yelling on the radio that they know when the end times are coming, we know that they are a liar and a false prophet. For in the Gospels, Jesus himself says that no one knows the day or the hour of the end except the Father alone. So if they presume to tell us that, we know that we shouldn't listen. We should go the other way. If someone speaks a message that is clearly contrary to God's will and to what God has revealed in Scripture, saying that something along the lines of sex outside of marriage doesn't matter, or any number of other things I'm sure you could come up with that we hear in our culture today, we know we shouldn't listen to them. 
or if someone tells us that salvation and forgiveness can be bought and sold by your donations or your actions, then we know we should not listen to them because we know that salvation is by grace through faith alone. And so we hear any of those other messages, we should be able to recognize those false prophets. We should turn them off, turn the other way, flee from them. Moses says that we should kill them, but we can't really do that in today's day and age. And and please don't do that. I, I don't want to have to come and minister to you in prison. But there are other false prophets who are far more subtle, far more difficult to spot. They look like us. They walk like us. They sound like us. They may even be standing in sanctuaries and pulpits just like ours. And they speak a message that says that doctrine doesn't matter, that all that matters is how you feel about your Savior, that it it doesn't matter what you do. All that matters is the way you love and, and how you seek to live out your faith. Now, let me be clear, it is important how we feel about our Savior. It is important that we live Christian lives that are filled with passion and zeal and filled with love. But, but, our faith is first and foremost grounded in and guided by the life and teachings of Christ. All of them. Not just some of them, not just what's convenient, not just what's popular, but everything he has said. If Jesus is truly the prophet, is truly the Savior and our our Lord and Master, then as disciples, we don't get to pick and choose which of his teachings are worth following, which of his teachings are the ones that, that matter to us or that are worthwhile keeping today, even if culture says we're antiquated or that we're closed minded or that we're narrow or judgmental or that we, don't ha- we aren't in touch with reality. We don't get to pick and choose which of those teachings we follow. You see, doctrine and the reason our, our church body thinks it matters so much is because that doctrine is about maintaining the gospel, making sure that no one adds or takes anything away from what Jesus has said and spoken and about where our hope is found, that no one would lead us astray. You may think that, that, that maybe I'm, I'm over-speaking, but I want to remind you that the reason we're in this situation, the reason that we struggle with sin and brokenness is because in the very beginning, Adam and Eve gave in to a false prophet, to the father of lies, Satan, as he spoke a message to them in the garden that he continues to say to each and every one of us on a daily basis, did God really say does God really mean this? Don't you, think God, don't you think God would change his mind if he could write those things today? As the false prophets speaking on Satan's behalf, behalf continue to seek to lead us astray. They share a message time and time again that tries to lead us away from God's word. But sometimes spotting a false prophet can be difficult. It can be challenging Because they're really talented at making their message sound really close to Scripture. Just like Satan in the temptation of Jesus quoted the Psalms and quoted Scripture, changing one line or one word so that it would sound a lot like what we believe. 
Or they say things that sound appealing because they sound a lot like what our culture would tell us to do today. And so if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention, suddenly those messages can slip into our hearts. And we begin to believe a message that's not quite the truth. And we begin to tell others a gospel that isn't quite the good news about Jesus Christ. If we're not vigilant, we can easily be led astray by false teachers and false teachings. They can continue to turn us away from the truth that God would have us hold on to. So how do we discern what the true and faithful message is today? How do we recognize pastors who are faithful, those who are teaching a message that is consistent with God's word? How do we discern whether or not the prophet is speaking on behalf of Christ or is a false prophet of Satan seeking to lead us astray? Well, Moses says two things. The first is this. If a prophet presumes to speak in the name of any other God than Yahweh, than the one revealed in Scripture, they are a false prophet listening to nothing they have to say. And secondly, if they speak, even in the name of the triune God, the the Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, but their message is not consistent with what has been revealed in Scripture, what God has always been doing, then do not listen to them and do not be afraid of their words. And you might be wondering, well, well, how am I supposed to know this? Moses thought of that question too. And so the last two verses immediately after today's lesson tell us how to test this. This is what Moses writes. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Great. But how do we test that today? Uh, How do we do that? Sometimes we don't have time to wait and see if, if the message will come true, if it'll follow through. But what we do have is God's word. And we should test every message we hear against God's word, based on what God has revealed in Scripture. See, we should be like the Bereans in Acts 17, who when Paul came and proclaimed to them a message about the Christ, saying that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They didn't believe him at first. Instead, they went and searched through the entire Old Testament to see if what he had said was faithful and true to what had been revealed in Scripture. And when they found that it was consistent with what God had always been doing, then they believed. See, we as God's people ought to test every message, everything we hear, against the standard of God's word. Then we won't be taken captive by clever arguments or slick presentation. See, when we know and are guided by the prophets of old, of long ago, then our hearts are guarded because we know the message that God has spoken. And we know that from the very beginning, past, present, and future, God has always been working the same message a warning of judgment for those who would not believe, but a message of hope, of grace, of salvation through the Christ for those who would believe. That was always pointing to that greater prophet to come who would speak on his behalf, always pointing to that truth, to what was going to come. See, the prophets always spoke a message that warned and 
called out their contemporary culture, warned them of their sins and their brokenness and what a failure to repent might lead to. And often those, those prophecies came true because the people refused to repent. And today for us, as we read through those prophets, they are a call for us to take stock of our own lives and repent as needed. But the prophets also promised of one who was to come, of the way that God would bear his arm, would come down himself to deliver his people, that he would send that mighty prophet to speak in his name and promised of the hope that God would bring. And so as we turn to today's gospel lesson, we see Jesus presented clearly as that prophet. See, the one who came and spoke, not as the scribes, not as the teachers of the day, but like Moses, as one who had authority. And then he backed up his words with miracles, casting out the demons, healing the broken and the lame. He showed his message had power, not just in word, but in action. And he spoke a message consistent with what God had always been speaking. Repent and receive the blessings of God. God is willing to receive you. He's willing to have mercy. He's willing to have compassion and forgive what has come. But you need to turn back and put your faith in him. And then a few chapters on in Mark's gospel, we hear as Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which we'll talk about in two weeks, with Peter, James, and John, the heavens open, and God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Just as Moses said in verse 15 of today's Old Testament lesson, God would send a prophet from among the people who would speak in his name, and we are to listen to him. We're to listen to Jesus, the one whom God has sent to hear his message proclaimed clearly. See, Jesus, the true prophet, the greater prophet, who came and who conquered the greatest false prophet of all, Satan, crushing the serpent's head by his death and resurrection, who has crushed and defeated the power of sin and the lies it speaks over our lives as we hear that word of mercy and forgiveness. Jesus, who has come and has overcome the grave, swallowing up death forever so that we don't have to fear. So Jesus came as a prophet and he made many bold predictions and prophecies. He said before he ascended that he would come again in glory on the last day to judge the living and the dead, and he will. He warned us that there would be false prophets who would presume to speak in his name, who would seek to lead us astray if that were possible, and there are. He said that there would be persecution for those who bear his name just as he had been persecuted, and there are. Just look around the world. Churches in China being demolished, people in the Middle East and Africa being made martyrs simply for their confession of Christ. Jesus said that he would be with us to the very end of the age. And he is. He continues to guide our church. He continues to come to us in word and in the sacraments, coming to us in his very body and blood and with his promises. But how can we be sure that these promises are truthful, that they're faithful, that they will not fail us? 
Well, because from the very beginning of his ministry, he told the disciples what was going to happen to him. He warned them that he would be betrayed by sinful men into the hands of those who were wicked and that they would crucify him, that he would be buried in the grave and three days later he would rise again. And he was crucified and he has risen. He is victorious just as he said he would be. And so as God's people, as we listen to the words of the prophet, when he says that you are forgiven, you can rest assured that your sins are forgiven. When he says that you are his child, you can trust that you are his child, that nothing can separate you from his hand. Because his message wasn't simply clever rhetoric or a good argument, but it was a message displayed in power and truth, revealed by God's word and vindicated by his resurrection. And so we trust in his promises and in his words that are spoken over our lives. Amen.